Keepers of the Flame, the classic metal podcast with Rev Taylor and Darren Wall. Reviews, interviews, and conversation since 2021. Hello, happy Sunday, and welcome back to yet another episode, episode number 15 of Keepers of the Flame, the classic metal podcast. I am your host, Darren Wall, my co-host, Rev Taylor. How you doing, my man? Oi, I'm doing all right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a, a long day because my wife got her second vaccine shot, and uh, mm. so she's been pretty out of it. Um, delirious with a fever, talking about how her body is filled with bees, things like that. So <laughs> it's been an adventure, um, but uh, just glad that we're kind of moving along the path to uh opening stuff up even if it's a bit of a drag sometimes it is i had my second shot a little while ago and yeah it was i basically just i didn't have any bee hallucinations so i definitely felt like i drank about a handle and a half of vodka the night before it was yeah. uh, it was a tough go but you know speaking of again it's time to grab a beverage that is your choice and this week we're actually recording during the week and I have the busy work week from hell, so I am abstaining from alcohol, but I have a refreshing, sugar-free, Canada Dry ginger ale, which is, I don't drink too much soda, but when I do, this is my preference, because it's from my home country, and it's got no sugar, so it doesn't yeah. give me diabetes. Because <laughs> regular ginger ale, I didn't realize how much sugar that shit is in it until like a little while ago. It's like 36 <laughs> grams of sugar Dude, per can like that. It's yeah. more than regular pop. It's a lot. So I was yeah. like... I'll just go with the gins, the zero sugar one. Yep. Well, yeah, I'm taking tomorrow off because I'm getting my first vaccine shot. So I've I've got a bottle of uh, this Samarskaya uh, beer. It's not the same Russian beer that I had last time, I don't think. It's from the same brewery, but a little bit of a uh, stronger uh, brew. I don't really know what's going on with it be honest but it's tasty and, yeah well the one you gave me uh, a couple weeks ago that you've been drinking is real good so yeah you know i was hey russian beer it's a thing it's delicious yeah oh yeah so after you know the last week's ordeal of uh listening <laughs> to the new agent steel album which was you know it, again we both we i, I kind of dug it in certain ways but it definitely is not something i want to listen to repeatedly or all the time or in succession <laughs> you know it just was not doing that for me um we have a really fun record this week to talk about we we're talking about the latest effort from blaze bailey called war within me this album is his seventh full-length album under his blaze bailey moniker this guy's prolific i didn't you know i, I knew he was but i didn't realize how prolific he was he's put out because I was really got into his solo, uh, solo stuff in the early 2000s when he was putting stuff out under the Blaze moniker. It wasn't Blaze Bailey. It was Blaze. And I remember Silicon Messiah and uh, Tenth Dimension were two albums that I really liked in my early 20s. But he put out four albums under that moniker. He was, of course, uh, Iron Maiden's front man in the 90s for the uh, slightly uh, unfortunate albums X Factor and Ritual X, XI or Eleven or whatever the fuck. Um, and then he was in a really rad band called Wolfsbane that kicked off in 89. They put out four albums. So this guy's like, you know, he's, he's got a pretty respectable pedigree and a respectable career. And this is just the latest in his, the long line of his efforts. It came out on the 9th of this month, which is April, 2021. 
on Blaze Bailey Records, so I guess he put it out himself too. Um, mm-hmm. He's this dude is this dude is just really impressive. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely a fan. I uh, I didn't know that much about him, but I remember uh, back when I started singing for Greyhawk, and I was doing a bunch of research about some of these singers that might have slipped under my radar, and, and just listening to all these different vocal styles, and. Um, it was one of those things I didn't really listen to any full albums, but I just kind of poked around on YouTube and listened to a bunch of stuff from his career. And I found it really inspiring because he's got a voice that's a little bit more like mine. It's a little lower. It's not a yeah. super high voice. It's got some darker tones to it. It's a little soft around the edges, uh, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of actual like really nice sounding. There's a lot of beauty in the tone. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I definitely like took notes the first time I, I, I listened to him and, Kind of in the intervening years, I guess I, I kept meaning to check back and, and never really got around to it. So I'm really glad that this came around because uh, it's nice to really dig into one of his albums and uh, kind of listen to his artistry. And uh, I've really enjoyed it. I've been listening to this album a lot this week. It's one of those that I've been excited to listen to. And uh, some of them, you know, it can be a little bit of a chore, as we've said before, you know, mm-hmm. just if it's we don't dig it or we're just not feeling it or whatever. But I've been listening to this pretty much every day in the car, yeah. working in the garden. Um, listened to this few times through while I was like weeding in the garden. It was awesome. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, he, he, he blaze is the, the centerpiece of this record. Obviously mm-hmm. it's named after him. Um, and yeah, like a lot of what you said, he's got like um, a couple of thoughts I had listening to this was, well, first of all, he's in great voice on this record. This mm-hmm. dude is taking care of himself. You know, he's, He's a little bit older now, but he's really he really sounds good. He sounds just like he did back in the day, maybe even a little better sometimes. Um, this is really not a trendy record in any sense of the imagination. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not it's heavy, but it's it's not retro. Um, it's a little too dark and like muscular sometimes, especially the vocal delivery to be power metal. Um, so it's not a power metal record. It's just a very true heavy metal record. You know, but it's there's not any like there's not there's not anything that like fits into like the new wave of traditional heavy metal or like kind of the power metal resurgence is going on right now. It really is its own thing onto itself. Mm-hmm. So. And it's it's clearly very personal to him. Yeah. It really just seems like this is the album that Blaze Bailey wanted to make uh, in 2020, 2021, and and uh, and it's clearly he's just writing about experiences he's had things that interest him mm-hmm. um and I, I, it gives it this kind of sense of honesty that to me like i don't know i really like it it comes through and it makes me very inclined to forgive some of the the flaws and hiccups when they do show up yeah because because th- this is an album where it really seems like the heart is in the right place and i guess for me the only real um hiccups are production uh hiccups um the drums and bass are kind of they get a little bit lost. They're kind of yeah. they're kind of weighed down by the guitar and vocal heavy mix. Um, there's some interesting editing choices that are made in some parts of these songs. Um, the vocal production is really nice. Um, his harmonies are subtle. I mean, they could maybe I thought maybe the backup harmony lines could be brought forward a little bit more. Um, yeah. but, but they're they're nice. Um, Overall, it's a well-produced album, but there are some strange decisions mix-wise that were made. Yeah, I would agree. I I found that it did a little bit better in the car and, uh, you know, on like a Bluetooth speaker 
outside kind of environment than it did under headphones. Um, oh, totally. Under headphones, but it definitely was like, this is a, this is a great, uh, like, barbecuing album. <laughs> yeah, not a breakfast album. This is a barbecuing album. I mean, it could be a good breakfast album, too, but, but definitely, like, maybe I'm just thinking that because it's been a beautiful week here in the Northwest, but, like, I keep thinking, yeah, this would be great to, you know, cooking some burgers, throw on the Blaze Bailey, you know. Yeah, man. I mean, it's the, the, the songwriting here and the enthusiasm and the inspired performances by everybody, um, it makes up for any production. And the production flaws aren't, aren't, aren't problematic. It just mm-hmm. like, these are just things that probably could have been a little better. Um, but man, um, his band is great too. Yeah. Uh, guitar players are awesome. The performances by everywhere. There's a couple solos that actually like made me go, ooh, let's check that out. And the guitar tones are great. Um, mm-hmm. Bass tone's solid. It's just kind of there. It's not, it's not exceptional, but it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and the drum, yeah, the drums are kind of my least favorite sounding instrument, but the performance is good. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I really think, honestly, I think this is his best album under the Blaze Bailey moniker. Mm-hmm. I still personally like Silicon Messiah is my favorite, but that's probably because I was 20, 21 or 22 when I heard it. And I was, it was kind of made a big impression on me. And he, at that point, he wasn't just the guy who replaced Bruce and Iron Maiden for the nineties. You know, he became, right, right. he was somebody that I thought was really cool, you know? Um, and it actually made me go back and listen to those Iron Maiden records and realize there was that overall those albums suck, but over, there's a couple tracks here and there that you can pull out that are pretty neat. Yeah, I was listening to the X Factor a couple months ago, and I'd never listened to it before, and I, there were some good moments. And then I listened to some of Virtual Eleven uh, yeah. this week, kind of to, to to educate myself because I don't think I'd heard that one before. Even I'd heard the Klansman, I guess, but yeah, and that's really the there's not there's not much on that record. I mean, the first, the other first one was a little better, but again, me. But overall but yeah there's there's some there are some songs that i got into you know thankfully because i listened to the blaze records and i was like well i should give that a shot yeah i mean i, I think that and on those albums he comes through pretty well i think he sounds good oh none of that none of the problems are his fault it was all, yeah exactly it was all steve harris's fault like let's be real those songs stink and the production stinks on those records that's yeah that's the problem you know future real get out of here like blaze's performance are just fine on that yeah you know so anyway let's delve into this thing so for i think the third week in a row we got a title track to kick the record off is this a new trend yeah i guess so like i remember like the third three weeks ago i was like oh that's like that's a bold move that's kind of cool and now i'm like everybody's doing it Maybe it's not such a bold move anymore i mean i guess it's a it's a straightforward choice and it kind of goes with the uh I mean, I, I think of this as a very working class album. It's totally, 100%. Yeah, it's it's straightforward. We're, there's definitely no intro. The guitar riff just kicks in and, and we're off to the races. <laughs> there's no fade out. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but no, this, is, this, this song sets the tone really well. It's a good choice for track one. Um, it's a very classic riff. Um, it's got like some real speedy picking on it. Um, there's some really good subtle harmonies going on, little guitar melodies. And then the chorus comes in and it's just super catchy. Yeah. Super uplifting. And you're like, you know, it, it just makes you feel great. If you're in a good mood, it'll make your good mood even better. Yeah. 
yeah it's it's one of those songs that actually the pre-chorus is super good and then i was almost like thinking that was the chorus until the real chorus kicked in mm. and i was it's just a catchy song and uh it's 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 you know it's easy to get behind the lyrical content it's just like clearly blaze bailey talking about you know being blaze bailey and dealing with the shit that arises in his life and trying to be a good person and that's something i think we can all relate to yeah it's for sure i think and especially like when you're the guy who gets known as the dude who replaced iron bruce dickinson and iron maiden and a lot of people a lot because let's face it when you do that like if you replace a rob halford or, or or a bruce dickinson a lot of people hate you yeah because you're not their favorite singer and in their favorite band you're some other guy who's doing it and they can't hear their favorite guy anymore. So that's got to be a tough thing. I mean, it's not like you would, anybody with half a brain would turn down a gig in Iron Maiden. Right. That puts you in a tough spot. Um, very, very tough spot. So, I mean, I kind of, maybe I kind of heard some lyrical references to that being a bit of a struggle for him and stuff, but you know, yeah. not when you speak for the guy, but he's turned out really, like he's a really cool dude. And, you know, he's turned out all kinds of all right. Um, in spite of having to deal with that kind of stuff. And I'm sure, I hope he, his, his maiden experience um, was a positive for him more than a negative. But I man. hope so too. I mean, he, I came across a, uh, an interview with him recently where I guess the reviewer asked him if he'd be into going and doing like a, all three singers of Iron Maiden gig. Oh God. And, and he was, he was like, well, well, yeah, I would, I would absolutely, that would be fun. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't know if people would want that. It would be a lot of fun to have me and Paul come out and sing some songs, but obviously Bruce would, would close it out because he's the guy, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it, it, it seemed very, you know, and then he talked about how he was like on the phone with Steve Harris the other day. So it seems like it, it's, the relationships are still there. That's good. I'm, I'm glad to, uh, that's cool to hear. But anyway, yeah, this was just a very digestible, um, fun, great song to open this record. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's super catchy. I mean, I can hear the chorus in my head right now. Yeah, totally, you know? which is, I mean, that's a sign of, you know, I don't, I, mean, I guess, I don't know if there's a single I haven't really listened to check to see if there's music videos or anything, but right. this would be a great, a great single. Um, speaking of catchy, um, the next song, 303. Yeah. This one actually hearkened back to like, not necessarily um, Blaze Bailey era Iron Maiden, but it, this sounded like it could have been on like No Prayer for the Dying or you know, one of those later era Bruce Dickinson Iron Maiden albums. It kind of had that bring your daughter to the slaughter era kind of vibe to it, um, which I thought was really cool. Um, the hooks in this are super catchy. The vocals are super catchy. The melodies are, are really neat. And then he goes full, they, we go full power metal on the chorus. It yeah. just like, it really takes off and it goes full power metal, which was a really nice twist for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the lyrical content for this one, too. I mean, it's, uh, it's a World War II Battle of Britain mm-hmm. history song. And, and, of course, that harkens back to Aces High and, and also the kind of thing that, that Bruce Dickinson's into, obviously, being an aviator. Um, but and it's, it's one of those things that I'm just super into and have basically been into my whole life, just kind of fascinated with that particular theater of combat in World War II. And I was thinking it'd be fun to make a playlist of, um, of, of songs about the Battle of Britain. So obviously Aces mm. High, this one would be good. Uh, the 
the Grim Reaper album, I think is their latest, um, the one that they were touring for when we opened for them. The first track on that was a Battle of Britain song okay. um, that, that Steve Grimmett sounded great on. And I bet there's more out there. This I'm one sure. specifically is about the, um, there was a, a squadron of, of Polish pilots who had escaped from Poland um, during the Nazi invasion and uh, the, the British uh, trained them to, to fly the British planes and, and got them involved. And this is something that they did a lot um, with different, uh, different pilots from around Europe and the, and the countries that had been taken over by the Nazis. There's actually a cool movie called Dark Blue World. It's a Czech movie and it's um, about a similar thing, a Czech squadron um, coming to like fight in Britain and cool. like dealing with like a little bit of crap from the, from the British pilots who saw them as foreigners, but, but also like struggling to, to prove themselves and rise above. It's, it's cool shit. So I'm, I'm glad that he, uh, that he's shining a light on, on that little interesting bit of history with this. Yeah. Guy. Which is then, yeah, there's another little, tiny little Iron Maiden connection there too. With, yeah. With that lyrical content. But yeah, it's a neat track. It's, un- it's kind of a unique song. I haven't heard anything that sounds like this in a while. Yeah. Um, so I, I was pretty happy to, hear two quite distinct songs off the bat. I mean, the one thing you could say about this album is it it's clearly like not really, I mean, apart from some other songs, there's three songs we'll get into later that are kind of thematically linked, but this isn't really telling a story. It's just a collection of songs that go on a record that are really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, just, it's nice and not overcomplicated there's just it's very clear it's very um the lyrics are are easy to understand just from listening it's there's nothing in there that doesn't need to be there it's just really efficient yeah and and especially after that agent steel album last week that this is a real breath of fresh air i mean that might be part of why i like it so much i don't think so i think this album it speaks for itself but um yeah, it, it, this this song especially too. Like you said, there's no fluff, there's no BS. It just gets right to the point. Um, and so after this one, we get the song "Warrior," which starts off like almost ballady. It's like yeah. very clean, um, and then it goes into a more chugging thing with a really classic like key change in the middle. I think it's like yeah. eight or something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it's just like it's that classic like rock and roll move, you know. Yeah. And I mark out every time anyone does it because it just sounds so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've done a million times before, but I don't care. It just sounds good. Um, and they got like the chorus is slower, and there's like these big ringing chords in it, which is which is neat. Um, and his 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 singing is just so inspired on this track. He really yeah. is. It's coming from a, a really cool, a really. I think it's coming from somewhere that means it's something that means a lot to him. Mm-hmm. And you can really tell that he's singing his ass off on this track. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, of songs on this album or several at least that really relate to like bouncing back from, from defeat and disappointment. And uh, I think that's a classic heavy metal thing, but it, it is cool with him to kind of, I don't know, to think of Blaze Bailey as a guy who's, who's had a good career in the music industry, but he hasn't ever been like necessarily the big star. And he's had a lot of ups and downs, especially with like, I know the fan reaction from Iron Maiden was not always very positive. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's clear to see at least what some of that's coming from. And it's, it's clear why it, it just, it just really rings true. You know, it's not, yeah. he's not, he doesn't need to overcomplicate it because it's coming from the heart. Totally. And uh, yeah, this is a, uh... 
Yeah, this is not a complicated song, but this is like, yeah, a very much like stand your ground, fight, fight the tough fights, don't give up kind of tune. And yeah, I love that. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm listen to the lyrics you write. I mean, and you like, I know you like it too. Right, right. So, yeah. I mean, and it's 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 great, and I think this is the kind of music that people want to hear these days. Never mind need. I mean, no one needs to hear anything, but you know, this is the kind of music that got people like I want to hear this kind of shit, and I think a lot of other people do too. Um, and I'm happy. I'm happy to share it too. It's like this is something I'm glad to just play for people. You know. Yeah. Driving in the car with me, you might hear some Blaze Bailey because you know maybe oh. you haven't listened to his solo stuff, and it's something I can really get behind the message and the music. Yeah, totally. Um, so then we go into another track, "Pull Yourself Up," which is a tra- I, I'm going to let you speak most about this one because this one just this is a good song. I just wasn't feeling it for whatever reason. It's a great song. Um, it's a good change of pace at this point in the record. It gets more of like a mid place pace, like plotting, riffing, and rhythm. It's cool, but I don't know. It, for some reason, it just wasn't doing anything for me. Um, but yeah, know, it's interesting. You, I, I think you have a different take on it. I think. Yeah, I, I really liked this one, especially actually. Um, it's it's got that mid tempo thing, and it it's got a, a subtle kind of slow build to it that I started to notice the more I listened to it. Because um, it's it's longer than any of the previous songs, and it does kind of maintain the same pace. But I didn't really feel it as plotting i kind of felt it as like really gradually building up um and i get the sense this one's going to be really cool live because it, it oh, has boy. like a, a the way he's like repeating everything it's got this really focus and drive it feels like a, a ritual kind of like it would feel like it would create a really powerful energy when it's played live um and it's another one that, that seems like it's got those personal connections and it even gets to the point towards the end of this song um the chorus kind of changes a little bit it's pull yourself up um yeah it's he says in the first chorus he's they said i could not walk come and walk with me pull yourself up mm. but then by the end they said i couldn't sing come and sing with me and then he repeats that and and maybe it's just me as a singer like i know what it's like to get rejected and to experience disappointment and to see other people get rejected and told that they shouldn't sing or they shouldn't sing professional or they should they should uh you know don't quit your day job shit like that you can't be a baritone in power metal yeah (laughs) yeah exactly and and there's just a lot of and i just really feel it so I, i i felt really inspired hearing him say that like come and sing with me and he's like it feels like he's he's saying like i'll be the uh, the leader of the outcasts and and i like that you know i, I cool. that, that felt really inspiring to me so i did well, especially like this track nice that's neat man that's cool i'm, I'm glad you had something cool to say because i didn't yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't dislike it in any way it just it just didn't catch my ear but the lyrics are very cool on this one so this one had a cool guitar solo it was very um wah pedal <laughs> oriented <Yeah. laughs> uh, i was i was noticing like the first couple of times I listened through the album, I didn't really notice much about the guitar solos. Okay. Um, they're not, I mean, they're flashy because they're heavy metal guitar solos, but they're not like as in your face as some of these other things we've been listening to. Right. But this was the first one that started to kind of present itself like, oh yeah, the guitarist is really doing something there. Like it's not flashy, but it's expressive. And I like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of that um, on this album where it's just very you know, kind of like, kind of like the Agent Steel record in a, in a good way, a good comparison. 
the, the, the solos weren't always super flashy. Some of these really are flashy, though. And yeah. we'll get to some of those late in a minute. But the next song I loved, 18 Flights, was like, it's, a ca- it's got this catchy, like, bouncy rhythm. Oh, we and skipped this- the... Uh, oh, did I? Yeah, we skipped Witch's Night, track five. Oh, shit. I got it out of, I got it out of order. That's right. So Witch's Night. Yeah. All right. So this one is the one where I thought there was some strange editing choices. Yeah. Um, it's got like some of that start stop riffing and I guess it's the chorus. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they've chopped it up like really like they've cut the end of the waveforms like really I'm being all fucking pro tools about it. They cut the end of the waveforms really sharply when they're editing this and it's just like and it sounds new metal. Um, it doesn't sound bad per se. Like it kind of, um, I guess maybe on like some of Blaze's older, more science fiction oriented stuff, it would be cool because it has like that futuristic kind of, kind of that futuristic kind of vibe to it. But it was yeah. a strange choice here. Um, yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. That it's just very. Yeah, I think if they gave those those chords a little more room to breathe. I think it would have sounded a little more rock and roll, but it doesn't ruin the song. You no, know? the song's pretty epic, actually. I, I, it's, it's a little bit. Uh, it had some twists and turns in it, actually, mm-hmm. um, which especially because the the previous songs were all pretty straightforward. It's it's a good time to expand a little bit, expand the palette a bit. Like we get this kind of acoustic ballady kind of bridge section mm-hmm. um, before we launch into the guitar solo. It, this song has a bit of a of a different more epic feel i liked it yeah i did too i think yeah, like you said there's we're we are getting some twists and turns here we are starting to see um you know they're they're trying some different things which is rad and it, it's the time to do that you know this is the we are at like the fifth track you know we're about at the halfway or we are at the halfway point pretty much so you know now you gotta t- you gotta start to like mix some different things in here to keep people interested in the main point and get them invested in the second half yeah and this one lyrically is definitely like one of the more kind of open-ended philosophical uh, musings on the album. It's a yeah, I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't totally. I mean, I, I understood all the words, but it's very like, yeah. you know, will you die before you find your home? Experience all of eternity in a moment. I don't know what any of that has to do with the witch's night, but it, I kind of was picturing just like, you know, like an epic Halloween party where you feel really alive. Seemed yeah. to be kind of the vibe he was going for. So, what do you think about what do you think about his like diction and delivery? Like, what's your take on on on, on his? Well, he's uh he sings very again straightforward, very clear, which I like. Um, it's pretty easy to understand the words. He does uh, he does do some odd emphasis. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna mention that. There's some little inflictions and ways he emphasizes certain vowel sounds and words that are a little bit. They're a little off kilter, but it's kind of cool. It doesn't, it's not odd. It's odd, but it's not bad. Yeah, I mean, and because he makes up for it, he phrases it well. Like he, his sense of the language is clear enough that it's not throwing off the sense of the line and making it confusing. Um, it just feels a little, a little, yeah, odd and unusual. Like he's, he's accenting off beats. Um, I get the sense, I don't know for sure, but. Um, I would not be surprised if he like sang in church as a kid because the like boy choir thing is such a big deal in Britain that mm-hmm. a lot of kids grow up singing in, in choir and in church and stuff there way more than they do in America. And it, it kind of 
gives a lot of British singers a bit of a leg up just in terms of the basics of singing in English, especially. And, and he's got like a little bit of a choir singer kind of sound. Like he, he doesn't have a huge amount of vibrato actually. Um, He, he uses a a fairly straight tone. And as I said before, it's, it's actually like an unusually beautiful tone for a, a metal singer. Like it almost, there's a couple of times in this where it feels like, almost a little bit more like loungy or something because he's he's more of a laid-back singer he's not doing this really forward growling yeah, yeah kind of thing it's very like da, 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 kind of stuff and so there's a real smoothness in his voice um which is unusual to hear in metal but to my mind really pleasant to hear in metal yeah uh, so i like that a lot he, he does have some the one odd thing about his vocal production that you'll notice is um, he does really squeeze those E, the E and O vowels. Mm-hmm. And those are the vowels in singing. We, we call them the, the close. Some people say closed. Some people say close. But that's when your, your mouth is essentially at its smallest opening. Because mm-hmm. when you're singing, ah, oh, uh, you know, it's, you can have a nice wide open mouth but when you're singing ooh or e it's just a little bit more difficult to manipulate the resonators and 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 make space with your tongue and everything to get that sound to come through clearly especially when you're singing into a microphone and so you will notice that he kind of like squeezes his e sounds a little bit i'm trying to think of an example here like even the, the title track war within me you can kind of hear he 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 makes a very it's not me it's a very dark e mm-hmm. and it sounds a little it sounds a little goofy sometimes like he's singing in a voice like this a little bit but mm-hmm. i know what the challenges are and i know why he's doing it and i can see how it's effectively maintaining the vocal line and not he's maintaining the same level of sound and the same tone throughout the line and manipulating the vowel a little bit to allow that to happen. And I think that's, you know, I know what the challenges are of singing metal, so I'm not going to yeah. hold that against him. So all in all, I find his singing really pleasant to listen to. Um, I can understand the words and the fact that it's not totally flawless in terms of like the right emphasis is on the right syllable all the time. It helps give it more of that like really uh, working class kind of, um, almost conversational feel. Like it you, should, feels... you should really go back and listen to his Will Spain material, especially yeah. the stuff from like 89. Um, it's super like British pub rock. Like yeah. it's, 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 it's totally blue collar stuff. And I agree with you. Another thing I like about his voice is it's, he does have a distinct one and you know it's him when you hear him. Yeah. You know, he's, not, he's not a car- carbon clone of anybody else. He doesn't sing high up in the dog zone. He's he is him. You know, when well, you hear him, that's it. You know his place. And I think that's probably what Steve Harris was, you know, noticing that made him want to hire him to sing Iron Maiden songs. As I understand it, the problem, you know, it's not so much the new material. It's just that Blaze Bailey's a baritone. Bruce Dickinson's a tenor. And when Blaze tried to sing the Bruce material. It's way different. Didn't, yeah, it's he just. way different. Yeah. Like he's blaze bailey singing in my range like i'd be really comfortable singing any of these songs but i would never dream of singing how would be that name you know yeah that's that's a, that's a tough that's a tough row but anyway back to the task at hand now we are on 18 points <laughs> yeah um 
So this one is like a really cool, like catchy, like bouncy rhythm going on, which I already like that. It's I'm a sucker for songs about being on the road. And, yeah, this, yeah. and, and this, this is totally about like being on airplanes and flying to different countries and playing music. So it's relatable to me. Um, I really, I really like that. Um, I, I, anything this it's got like a, it's almost got like a, not to, I don't want to do be too many Iron Maiden references, but it does have a wasted years kind of feeling. Yeah um to it doesn't sound like a song but it has that you know it, it's to clearly give it's about his personal experiences of playing music on the road and stuff and yeah it really related to me it made me miss being on the road with you guys a lot when i listened to this song i was like man we really need to get back out there and go play some fucking shitty little towns and make lots of friends and have fun um yeah i felt i felt the same way too and the way he's uh describing it seems it's kind of about this particular incident it seems like when they were playing i guess in chile and there was a big earthquake Mm -hmm. and it is kind of fun to think about like oh shit what would you do you're in a foreign country playing like probably not some huge venue you know Mm -hmm. if you're blaze bailey and uh you know there's a huge earthquake what are you gonna do man i mean of course you'd it's just cool that like he's telling the story and it's again very straightforward like this is literally what happened yep just it really has that um that authenticity it and does like like he mentioned in one of the lyrics mcnee he just plays on well that's the drummer and yeah the drummer on this album so it's and it's also cool because then there's there he's using like he's talking about we a lot and it really like establishes he's talking about his band it's not just yeah the, he's had this band apparently for a minute now and they're pretty much like his boys and yeah i think that's really cool I and mean, it's it's cool that he's you know it's it's cool, like like when motorhead did we are the road crew i mean he knows yeah like he knows and they know that he's kind of like the focal point the selling point of this act but it's cool that he's you know giving them writing tunes about them and his experiences with them there's some primo woe-woe-woeing in this song too. oh yeah oh yeah there's some great woe-woe-woeing um the guitar hooks and the melodies are very very memorable and very cool too so yeah i was really into this one i think i think this this song rules yeah it, it really made me perk up because it's it's about a specific incident so i'm like oh tell me the story what happened because i yeah. know i've never heard of it uh oh. it's kind of like um smoke on the water is the same thing right it's a song they wrote that about when they were in that studio in switzerland and the place across the way caught fire or whatever right yeah totally um totally so it's uh yeah that's a cool one and then from the here we go into a, a, tri- a trilogy of songs that when i read the titles i was like oh boy <laughs> This is either going to be really cool or really, really stupid. So we got three songs. One's called The Dream of Alan Turing, The Unstoppable uh, Stephen Hawkins, hey, Stephen Hawking, sorry, and The Power of Nikola Tesla. And I was like, huh. All those guys are cool guys. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Big fan. Where's this going to go? You know, and I'm like, is this some going to be some convoluted concept trilogy thing that's way overthought and shouldn't be on a record that's very, like you said, blue collar and yeah. But they do. These songs are not what I expected at all. Um, they're very inspired. They're very loving tributes to these individuals and their ideas and their brilliance. And they're well-structured and well-written. Shit, the first song is like, the, the, the Alan Turing song is like under three minutes. Yeah. Um, I was expecting 
some wankery and like something really like um i guess i guess i just expected some self-filating yeah right i mean you see a, a, a title like that and you're like oh no is this like gonna be a 23 minute prog song no this one's and this song has one of the best guitar solos i've heard in a while on it it is absolutely blistering like i was it, it starts with this like really fast arpe repeating arpeggio yeah and then it just takes off into like a total shred fest i was like i remember just i remember really saying holy shit at the end of that solo yeah and repeat and putting the song on repeat that dude he he brought the goods on this song it's just it's fun to hear um you know it's like blaze bailey kind of puts on his like cool science teacher hat at the heavy metal high school you know it's like yeah what happens totally. with these songs it's just it's something I've always really liked about metal and, and especially, you know, when I was first getting into it, you know, 12, 13, there's a lot of shit I didn't know about the world. And, and I like that there's a lot of education in metal. There's a lot yep. of people just like writing songs about stuff that happened and people that, that were really alive. And, and, you know, I'm, I imagine there probably have been metal songs written about all three of these individuals, Tesla, especially, but I can't say I've ever heard a metal song about Alan Turing and it's fucking cool. I know I'm certain I have heard one <laughs> yeah. and it, it is a very cool song. Like I said, it, it really, it gets to the point. Um, yeah. The, the band, the band themselves really shine here. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, you'd be on the one guitar solo. Like they're just absolutely tearing it up on this track. And mm -hmm. yeah, I was, I, I think this is the most pleasantly surprised I've been since we've started the podcast by yeah. any group of songs. I was like, holy shit at this point i'm like holy shit this might actually be cool <laughs> these goofy because it's not even so much that it's a song about alan turing it's just or or stephen hawkins or, or or tesla it's just like how it's the unstoppable and the power of and yeah, right, right, right. like what is going on but man rad tune no complaints yeah absolutely yeah so then we move from there into the stephen hawkins song and it kind of starts off. It's got this build up. It's so cool. Well, I've it's got a, the. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I don't. I don't. It's funny. It's. I've got the Tesla song. As, I don't know, man. I just, fuck. I don't know. I. I, I just. I, I can't remember what order this goes in. We will do the Tesla one then. Yeah. Um, so this one really kicks in with like some Halloween style riffing, um, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Holy shit! This sounds like a Halloween song." It's got like that really frantic, uh, harmonized riffing, and then it's got some catchy uh, guitar melodies, kind of you know, run a little wild over top of it. I absolutely love the vocal hook and the chorus. Oh, yeah. Like with the guitar melody that goes along with it. And the last chorus that goes into the solo, that that melody, that guitar melody leads out of it, and it kind of progresses into the solo. That's some great songwriting. That's, yeah. that's some really cool creative use of melody there. And I, I, I was like, man, good sirs, tip of the hat. That is wonderfully done. The chorus for this one just, like, really – a lot of what we've talked about with Blaze's vocals, it's like this, it all happens in this chorus. It's super yeah. catchy. It's, it's really cool, uplifting. Power, power in the air. And then he goes, magnificent possibilities are everywhere. So uh, there's the weird emphasis, magnificent. Yeah. <laughs> magnificent. And then you hear the possibilities are everywhere. He does that odd little eval. It's like his little signature thing. Mm -hmm. are everywhere and uh it's and, it's super and it's super endearing yeah yeah absolutely because it's it's just 100 percent genuine it's just clearly out of admiration for 
you know, the mind of, of Tesla and the way he saw the world. And um, it's, uh, it's just great. Like, I, I love that these songs, they really like, they add something to the literature of heavy metal. You know, yeah. we've got a lot of, there's a lot of metal songs about personal struggles. You know, there's a song on this album called Warrior. It's probably like the 475th metal song called Warrior. But, but here <laughs> with these songs, we're really adding something to the repertoire. Mm-hmm. So when I'm thinking like, all right, I'm going to make a playlist, you know, maybe I'm going to make a playlist that references some sciencey stuff. Then, oh, here's this great resource. These three songs about, you know, people that you don't usually hear songs about. Fuck yeah. So I think that this, these, this little trio is actually like one of the real strong points of the album. They might is. have sticking power because like, for example, uh, my parents work at a science institute in New Mexico with a lot of like physicists and people who absolutely worship Alan Turing, you know, and Stephen Hawking. So I, you know, I, I sent the, these songs over and was like hey maybe you should play this to some of your coworkers." and i know because people even if they're not metalheads necessarily they'll they'll like think that these songs are fucking cool as hell because they're about their heroes you know yeah yeah and so yeah then we go yeah from this one it goes into the the steve hawkins song and man this is probably his most inspired singing i've maybe have ever heard him do mm. on any record this like, song fucking kicks ass. This is it, like it, one of the best tracks on the album. Totally. And you could, you you know, you, he believes, he, you could tell like this, this guy was one of his heroes and he be, really believed in him and his philosophies and his ideas and his determination. Um, it starts with this really cool, like building intro and you know, you're going to get something pretty epic. Um, and it's just like, you know, fuck, it's just, this is not, it's got a great instrumental bridge. It's got a great solo after that instrumental bridge. Um, there's nothing trendy, nothing, you know, that he's trying to like, tri- you know, sell to anyone on this record. This is a song that he wanted to write for him, and he he's he buys into it a hundred percent. And I thought this was I thought especially vocally. I thought this song, this song gave me goosebumps at times, mm-hmm. how, how inspired he, he sounds singing about this subject matter. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, it's interesting the way he connects the, I mean, I guess all of, all three of these scientists, something that, that, that connects all three of them is that they all dealt with some pretty severe challenges, whether it was, you know, being thrown in jail for being gay, like Alan Turing or dealing with all of Thomas Edison's bullshit and like, you know, dying poor, I guess, like Tesla or having, um, I don't remember what exactly condition Stephen Hawking has, but I think it's really, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's cool that, that for that reason, this song is, you know, it's about Stephen Hawking, but it really fits with the general theme and the vibe of the album about overcoming um, adversity. Clearly, Blaze is kind of like drawing some parallels um, between himself and Stephen Hawking, but but not in a way that seems like egoic at all. It just seems like it's cool because it's not necessarily talking about Stephen Hawking as a science genius or as a as an author or anything like that. Or, or but it's talking about him as like a courageous spirit overcoming adversity, first and foremost. And I think that's really cool because it like brings out the universality of that uh, of, of Stephen Hawking and makes him into like a 
a hero of willpower and not just like a science nerd. You know, I think that's really cool. Yeah, totally. It's, 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 it is, it was, I, I noticed that too. And it definitely, um, it does kind of tie the, the bridge and in, into from the, these gentlemen to the concept and the vibe of the album. So yeah, it, uh, it, yeah, it works really well. And yeah, this was, it might be my favorite song on the record. I think it's, yeah. it's an incredible track. Um, so and an original concept, like you said, these are, these are three very original concepts. So, you know, I'm, I've been mega impressed artistically from something yeah. that, you know, I was like, and then when I started listening to them, I'm like, this is either going to be really stupid or it's going to be something really cool that I've never heard before. So kudos guys, this, cause yeah. these, these, these three tracks are really great. So now we're coming, you know, actually, unfortunately we're coming to the end and yeah. it ends with, a song called Every Storm Ends, which is a ballad. It's clearly a pandemic song. I think, you know, there's, I, I think that's pretty, to me, that was pretty clear kind of what it was. But it's just, it's another struggle, you know, overcome everything, like whatever you're dealing with, it's going to pass, you know, kind of yeah. thing. So it, 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 fit, it fits and it definitely, you know, is a song that he was clearly writing in 2020 and probably inspired. I don't want to put words in the guy's mouth, but it definitely seems to me like this was a song that was, written in 2020 based on his and everyone else's circumstances in 2020, but it's cool. You know, it's not, it's not lame at all. Um, It's, it's the ubiquitous heavy metal ballad is a very difficult thing to achieve. Um, But this one is very heartfelt. It's very well executed. Um, And I thought this was a great way to end the record. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's uh I don't even know what to say, but yeah, it's, it's a great ballad. It's, it's heartfelt. It doesn't seem cheesy at all. It fits with the theme. It's, it's clearly it's very personal, but there's also, it's, it's a very universal thing. Just talking about like, how do you get up and move on when you're having a tough time? Don't yeah. I think every, everyone's been having a goddamn tough time this past year. So. Yeah. And it's, it's like, there's nothing in here that's new advice but it's solid advice. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And then like, it's like we said, it's ballads are hard, dude. They're hard to hard to write. I mean, shit, we did one. And I think we did a very cool take on one on our record, but it took us a long time to write it. I think that was about the third ballad that me and Jesse had played with and actually mm-hmm. not thrown out. You know? yeah. So they're, they're, they're hard to pull off and not make them sound silly cheesy corny yeah. well or, or just the right amount of cheesy you know yeah a little well, sprinkling of cheddar you know <laughs> right it, everybody's more exposed you know all the performances especially the vocalist it's you know you can't hide behind a wall of sound when you're singing a ballad 100 and you know and when you're do, dealing with slower tempi any kind of weird variations in the tempo are going like, to stand out more so you're just it's more exposed a little bit more of a tightrope to walk but it's, I mean, he's a pro. It just, it goes really well. It builds up. There's some big moments in there. Some, some of the, you know, some of the biggest vocal moments on the album towards the end of this track. And then they bring it down again um, to end on this really quiet, peaceful note. And it's, it's gorgeous. I love it. It, it is. And yeah, it's a nice bow on the, to, to put on the end of the album and wrap it up. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's 42 minutes, short and sweet album. Um, and, and I think ending on the ballad track 10, it just really fits with the just elegant, efficient working class 
workmanlike execution on this album. Yeah, totally. So it, hey, great, great way to the to end the album, and a great way to end our discussion on the album is right there. It's a nice, nice exclamation point, or I guess like a, a small, quiet exclamation. Point <laughs> yeah, right. um, so yeah, uh, man. Blaze Bailey, dude, War Within Me. I think it's a contender for what's on my top 10 or 20 of the year. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm pretty confident it's going to be on there. I liked it that much. It's it's super fun. It's super classy. It's very digestible. It's very easy to listen to. And by saying that, you're, it's by no means simple and dumb, you know, when you say something is easy to listen to. It's easy to listen to because it's well-written and it's well executed and yeah. it's well edited and man just these guys just knocked it out of the park i think yeah it 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 flows really well but there are layers to be discovered and that's mm-hmm. that's great you can listen to it like all the way through one time and and feel like you didn't really miss anything but then on your 10th listen through you'll still like catch some moments um that you just didn't quite catch before uh, in each of the individual parts or in Blaze's performance. And yeah, I'm looking forward to spending more time with this album. And I think, yeah, it's definitely going to probably come back again when we inevitably do our, uh, our uh, year end episode. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of ladies. I, I, I bet you in a couple of weeks, I really like the pull yourself up song. It's, it's yeah. going to be once I kind of burn out on some of the ones that I really like, I'll probably start spending time with it and I'll probably dig it. Um, so yeah, I mean this, this one, Blaze Bailey, War Within Me, 100% recommended for me. It's already downloaded into my iTunes. I'm already trying to find it on vinyl. Um, this is a great this is a great record. Get it in your ears. Don't sleep on it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is it's just exactly the kind of thing that's great to hear when you're reviewing and you have to talk about something because it's it's pleasing, it's simple, it rocks. There's not a bunch of, there's not, really any mistakes or misfires in a major way. And there's enough interesting material that gives us something to talk about and that sets each song apart from the other. So it's like, it really makes me feel like in the process of preparing for a podcast like this, our work just got done ahead of time for us. And, and that's what professionals do. You know, they, they put in the work so that the listener uh, can just sit back and enjoy. So I, I recommend that everybody do exactly that. Yeah, and exactly. And that's, that is the thing about these reviews that we do. I mean, It'll be interesting to see which albums, you know, make our top list for the end of the year because, you know, we don't, we do this every week, which is a lot of podcasting and it is a lot of listening and you'd only have, you know, seven days. Sometimes we don't even know what album, we usually don't know what album we're picking unless there's one that's obvious that we're going to do. This was one that we knew we were going to do. Um, so it's pretty obvious we're going to do it. And you, so it's not a lot of time to really like fully, fully digest it. You, we, I, it's enough time for us to make up our mind, but you know, there are still like when we're done with these albums, like we still listen to them because there's still layers to figure out. Yeah. I mean, unless it's a, an album that I hate and then I'm never listening to it again, but this one is, like I said, this one is already downloaded to my phone and it's in regular rotation. So yeah. Thumbs up. Wicked job guys. Um, all right. Picks of the week. For my pick of the week this week, I went back all the way to 1981 for a very classic record by a very classic band. Um, This is by the American band from New York, Riot, the classic album, Fire Down Under. 
This is probably considered Riot's classic. It was their breakout album, I would say. It's their third album. Um, so this came out, in, like I said, on 81. Uh, Electra Records put it out. There was some weird stuff about bouncing from label to label, but this one, my copy came out on Electra Records, the one that I have. I think it's, it's either a first, it's from the 80s. I don't know if it's a first pressing or not, but it's definitely, it definitely was made a while ago. <laughs> um, yeah. So this band, they're, like I said, they're from New York. They're formed by their guitar player, Mike Riel, in, in 1975. I believe he's no longer with us. I don't know that any of these guys are still with us anymore. Um, they still tour as Riot V or Riot 5 or whatever. Um, and they're put, still putting out some good material. This band has 16 full-length albums Whoa. to their credit. 16 over the years. Um, and they all like, have fucking baby seals on the cover, right? Just about all of them do. All the ones I know of do. And this one has like some dude, naked dude with a seal head. You, you ain't wearing a shirt anyway. Um, so yeah, this and this is kind of like the classic. My favorite Riot album is 1988's Thundersteel. I absolutely love um, Thundersteel. That's a wicked record. Um, but this one I really enjoyed. This was the first one I heard. Um, this is the last album with their original singer, Guy Speranza. He he left the band after this. Um, but I first heard, this is, was my intro to Riot, because I was listening to, like, it was the early days of internet radio, you know, like in the early 2000s. And I think I was listening to Pandora or some shit like that. And it was some random metal station. And this song called Swords and Tequila comes on. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what? How do you... <laughs> what how do you put okay and i was like i was like that, at first i was like that makes no sense and i was like i don't care i like both those things that's awesome and it, it's, just, it's such a fun infectious track it's so good it's so fun it's so badass that you just have to, to love it this album every song rocks on this album the title track is number two that's as that's as good as it gets you get feel the same outlaw don't bring me down don't hold back alter the king no lies run for your life flashbacks i mean this is one of the all-time classic heavy metal records from anyone it's a it's a top 50 album i think of all time from any band um which i know was a bold statement but i believe it is um this was this is a band that some people tend to lump in with the new wave of british heavy metal and i guess that's probably fair because of the sound but they're not british mm. um, but they definitely have that um you know that vibe they, they were definitely you know playing off the same influences like diamond head and um all those other bands there's a lot of similarities um i guess these guys kind of do have to me there's a bit more of a rock and roll party feel mm. to music than some of those those other ones on this record anyway um but I love listening to this album. I still spin it, you know, very, very regularly. Um, so yeah, if, I think this is an album that most like, I mean, most of the metalheads who listen to the show, this is kind of like standard listening for them. But, you know, it, I, every week when we do this, I just kind of like look through my record collection and if something pops out, but I feel like I want to talk about, that's just the one I grab. Yeah. So, the, the, and I was, I was like, I feel like this record, Kind of deserves to be talked about because it just is, is super good and you know this stuff they've done with riot v is still it's still really good it's kind of weird to me in a way i guess um it's, it's just no none of the original guys no more everyone's pretty much dead and it's all these other dudes who are kind of in the band kind of not 
it, so it's kind of a strange situation. But the music's good, so I don't care. Um, in the end, if like a band's gonna make music that's really good and genuine, I'll, I'll, I'll get on board. So we were supposed to do a bunch of shows with them dudes mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and I don't know what the heck happened, but they wound up not doing any of the shows. We were supposed to do like three or four dates with them. But no. Yeah. Oh well. I don't remember what happened, but anyway, win some, you lose some. So yeah, riot fire down under. If you don't have it, you don't know it, get it. You will be happy you did. Trust <laughs> me. Well, uh, I brought something from a band you might have heard of, <laughs> um, from from Seattle, originally from San Diego, Skeletor. Oh, those guys. Those guys, yep. This is the album Death to All Nations, which I believe came out in 2010. So uh, that's before your time with the band. Correct. Um, but uh, I think you could probably make an, a case. I don't know what the what you know Rob, who we had on the show last week, or the other guys would say. You could probably make a case that this is Skeletor's magnum opus. I don't know. Um, it's my favorite that the, that the band has ever done. And that includes yeah. the one I was on. So yeah. I, I would say it's my favorite. Yeah, I found this in a record shop in Seattle a couple years ago and was like, well, hell yeah, I've got to have this. Got to be able to listen. Does this got Rob's fucking this has got Rob's fucking red goatee on it? Yeah, it does. Hell yeah. There he is. In his enforcer shirt. Nice. Yeah, it's also um yeah, we've got we've got some nicknames here. Robbie the Truth, Houston. Robbie the Truth, yep. I, I, also there's... also affectionately known as the Mooch in the band from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> he has uh he has a few Robbie has a few nicknames over the years. So I mean if you don't know Skeletor, it's a very um true heavy metal kind of. We've got a lot of uh there's Manila Road influence here, there's Manowar influence. I, there's Agent Steel influence, I yeah, think. Um, absolutely. And uh, we've got this this Robbie and Rob, the twin guitar attack. They've got this really distinctive, um, really cool, thick rhythm tone um, that really stands out, I think, among other metal bands. Um, we've got uh, Jason Conde Houston's a really distinctive, uh, I think, really interesting vocalist. He makes some really interesting and unusual choices. Um, he's a real kind of oddball storyteller. Um, Super entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Really, really brings a, a, an unusual and cool presence live. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a big, like seeing you guys play when we were first starting with Greyhawk, really, uh, it was definitely inspiring for me to kind of see what worked uh, in Skeletor and, and, and the way that, that Jason was able to like tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's an unusual singer. A lot of it's like kind of uh, partially spoken, partially sung. Um, but it's one of those kind of things, once you kind of get used to the internal logic of what he's doing, then it's really expressive. Once you're like there with him, then it's fucking cool. Um, this album has a bunch of cool tracks on it. It's got, um, it starts off with this great one-two punch, Birth of Steel and The Truth. Um, yep. which I know has is, is been featured on a bunch of shows still. That was my favorite one-two punch to open with. Yeah. I think we did that at Northwest Metal Fest or something, and it was always my favorite one-two punch to start a show. Yeah, it just it kicks ass. Birth of Steel is like uh, just epic, really old-school true metal. Uh, it seems like, especially back at this point, 10 years ago, and, and Skeletor goes back farther than this, 
there just weren't a lot of bands who were doing this at the time. It was not trendy at that point. No. Uh, and now, now it kind of is like the way that Skeletor does it. Um, I think a lot of other bands have caught on and are kind of doing in a mocking way what Skeletor is. Oh, doing. They're, they're OGs for sure. There's a hundred percent. They're OGs. They're, they're, yeah. this, this true metal stuff. Those cats are doing that before anybody thought of the acronym new wave, new wave of traditional heavy metal. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and of course I know these guys, so I, I I can't be objective, but I think you can tell in the music that it's it's something that they really mean, you know, because the 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 quality is really high, and and there's a lot there's a lot to keep up the the interest. So Birth of Steel, the Truth, we get Victory, which is a tune that has Jason reciting Shakespeare, like a Henry the Fifth thing, which is I don't, I don't know if you guys ever played that live. Yeah, we did. It would have been we, cool. Remember that night? Remember that night that I did double duty at the Kraken, and I yeah. played like Rayhawk set, and then I played like 500 s- s- songs of Skeletor because <laughs> it was the CD release. They wanted to do this like insane 500 song. And if you guys don't know what the Kraken is, in, it's not our hockey team. It's a bar in the University District of Seattle. And it is a cool place, but it's small. And it is gets really packed. And there's no air conditioning and no airflow. The show was in like August or something. It was late August, yeah. It was disgusting in there. It was so disgusting. And by the time I was like, basically at that point, I played two and a half sets. Um, and I was, I was starting to have an out-of-body experience by the end of that show. <laughs> yeah. I was just been up there so long. I was tired. I was like, God damn it. I'm 39, not 29 anymore. And it was, it was a long haul. And you took a great picture of me, like just trying yeah. to like, stay, stay <laughs> vertical. Like I had this look on my face, like, I hope I don't fall down. <laughs> staring into the void. Oh, man. And, and the hardest part was at the end of the set. I, I don't know if he, Jason told the guys, that nobody told me that we were going to take a break. And I was doing fine until we took a break. We took a break and my body cooled down. And, oh, I, wanted yeah. to go to, and I wanted to go to sleep. I was like, I do not want to play these last four songs at all. But... They gotta, you gotta do it. it. But in the end, it was, it was a, it was a fun show, and we did play, we did play victory at that. That's the first time we played that with me in the band, I believe. That's a super fun song. Um, I gotta give a shout out on this record to my boy Zach Palmer for some of the bass work he does on this record. There's a song called "For Death and Glory" on mm-hmm. this, on this one. Yeah, it is. Um, there's a melodic, like kind of breakdown section in the middle, and he has a wonderful bass part underneath. Oh yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it was cool because I'd met Zach a couple of times, uh, just talked to him as like a dude at Greyhawk shows. He's the guy who, when we first played our song, Wisdom of the Wizard, he was like, play it again, play it again, <laughs> immediately after we were done. Yeah, play that song again. <laughs> and then uh, a couple of shows later, he, we, we, I talked to him and, and I, you know, we talked about Opeth. He knows I love that band. And so he actually gave me, uh, out of nowhere, he gave me this old, like 90s era long sleeve opeth shirt from like the my arms your hearse tour from like 98 or something and uh yeah i was i I was really sweet i just thought that was so cool and i still that's like my he he is he is a great guy he's super generous um very very awesome loyal dude one of my best one of my first friends in seattle and still one of my best friends in seattle he lives down in olympia now but he's a great guy and you know there's he did some memorable his bass playing on this album is really really fucking 
Yeah, I, uh, it's just funny because I had no idea that he was even in Skeletor, even that he played music. I just knew he was a guy in the scene. And so I picked up this album at the store and was like, oh, I know that guy. Fuck yeah, I know five of these guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, it's so much cool stuff on this. For Death and Glory is great. Stand Up for Rock and Roll is, a, is just, I don't know, I love that one. I love like, fun. you know, that the type of heavy metal where you can have songs about Shakespeare, songs about like, you know, armies of the undead and also just songs about rock and roll. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. There's, there's this is really fun. The elder gods of metal this narration part is actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And that uh, ends on the title track, which is, a, I think that's a great track too. Um, just like kind of expounding on some heavy metal philosophy that I feel like we could all get behind. So. Oh, for sure, man. It's, so, a, yeah. it's a cool record. So if you, have, if, you, if you haven't heard Skeletor and you're into this kind of thing, absolutely check it out. This album, certainly not a bad place to start because um, it's got some classic tunes on it. Um, and just, you know, got to give them a shout out because they're an important part of the Seattle metal scene here and, uh, and great dudes. And there's uh, just a lot of cool shit in their music. So definitely check out Skeletor. Well, there's a segue right there <laughs> into like your last comment into kind of what we're going to talk about this week, which is your whoever you are listening wherever you are your local scene and by local scene you know you got to think about what makes a band like kind of like a local scene band you know you got uh, you can't call like queens right a local seat seattle band. <laughs> they're, they're a seattle band but they ain't like well they ain't local we're talking about you know the them dudes that play like you know seven eight ten times a year maybe more in your local your local bars and you know i and like well i guess the question is um does that still exist like it did many years ago i mean there certainly are and the main reason for that question is things like the internet things like you know metal archives and things like facebook and you know people just being able to get their music out in the world to people across the world. I mean, I ship a lot of our music to Germany and Mm -hmm. Europe, and I ship a lot of our music. We shipped music to South America, to Mexico, to Japan, you know, and and now you can kind of promote yourself. It's kind of like we were talking about with Jeff from Gatekeeper a couple of weeks ago, where he said, you know, and we're kind of the same way. It's not like we, don't care about the Seattle metal scene and Greyhawk. We absolutely love playing in Seattle, but you know, we are kind of more focused on Europe because we kind of believe that's where more people that listen to our music is going to be. That's what Jeff said. Like, you know what? My focus was to find as many people in Europe that like my music as I could, because I knew it was like way stronger over there. Um, Now Jeff couldn't have done that probably as as effectively you know 12 to 14 years ago right because there just wasn't the resources to do it there wasn't social media was here but it wasn't that strong it wasn't the kind of global phenomenon that it is now there was no band camp yeah exactly band if there was i didn't know about it i mean there was no band camps there was no real small labels that were helping bands that were smaller get more legit um so back then you know there was a lot more of playing in your local scene because who else are you gonna play for you know maybe especially for me i mean living in vancouver
Vancouver, BC. Um, some of you might not know this, but if you're a foreign band coming to America is very, very expensive. Um, if we, like we were, Vancouver, BC is kind of like the only major city on the West Coast. Um, so your options are drive to Kelowna, Kamloops and play smaller towns that are super fun and people go real hard, but they're small. You can go to the island, which is great, but that ferry ride from Vancouver to Victoria for you and your buddies and your van and trailer full of gear is about 180 bucks each way. Um, so that's not appealing. And then if you want to go play in Seattle and tour America, it's about 480 to 500 bucks a person for a visa. And you got to apply for it and pass it. If any of your bandmates got a criminal record, which is fairly common. (laughs) So it's, you know, it was tough back then. Um, it was real tough. So you played your hometown a lot. Now, does that still exist anymore even at all really? Yeah, I mean, it. There still seems to be a sense that everybody, that people want to have a pride in their local scene. Like, yeah, representing Seattle, representing Portland. But, but functionally, it does seem like it's a lot less of a of a thing. And and there's clearly less of a line between local bands and national bands in terms of like, well, we are doing a lot of the same things, and our music is actually distributed through a lot of the same channels. It's just kind of a matter of level of magnitude how many people are downloading it mm. you know it, it's it's a little bit less i think uh cut and dry back in the day it seems like whether you were signed or not made a big difference whether you were touring nationally or not made a big difference but now there's a lot of bands that you know don't necessarily tour all the time they just show up at festivals they mm-hmm. uh play very targeted gigs um so i mean i don't know you probably you've had more time since you're a little older than me to observe these dynamics in motion. Yeah, I, def- uh, I definitely noticed that, I mean, when I was in my 20s and 30s, late early 30s, there was shows every Friday night. There were shows every Saturday night. And, in, in, you know, back home, there always was. And you could always go somewhere in your punk or metal yeah. every, every weekend. And it would be pretty packed. Like, we had a, we had a venue called the Cobalt in Vancouver, total CBGB shithole. I probably have talked about it on the show before. I can't remember. But, um, you know, in the late 2000s, um, like 08, 09-ish, before it closed, um, you'd go there every Friday. you go there every Friday and Saturday night, and it was this cheap beer, and there was bands on. Just bands. You, you didn't always know who the hell they were. Sometimes you did, sometimes you didn't. Um, and it was always packed. There was always at least 60, 70 people in there checking these bands out. And then, God, that place closed and, and the, the fucking metal shows moved to like this bar called Funky Winker Beans. <laughs> Imagine that. Now, I used to do, I mean, you're the, you're the first singer I've, I've ever been in a band with who could really work an audience when it comes to speaking to them. And thank you for being able to do that because <laughs> it used to wind up being my job. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't mind it, but, you know, I just, for me, if I can offload duties that aren't playing bass i'll fucking offload <laughs> but um you know it's but part I, of the fun you know just to, to whip people into a frenzy you know well, i just never i just never <laughs> it, it, it is fun i just never i guess as a bass player i never saw it as my job i always would prefer yeah. the singer to do that so i can you know my job as a bass player is to really listen to what the drummer's doing and the guitars 
and find the groove in the middle to make sure the audience is fucking feeling that. Right. And I, I'd like, you know, but so I, if I could just do that and do some backup vocals, which I'm actually really starting to enjoy doing, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, that, that I'm happy. I, I, I don't want, but I basically want to be the hype man in a couple of bands. And I used to like the scream. I was, we were playing thrash metal. And I used to like to yell out the name of the venue we were playing. It is really hard to sound cool, tough, and metal yelling funky winker beans. <laughs> you can't say funky winker beans and not sound like a dork. Like, it's just the way I was like, God, I'm like, seriously, this is where we're going? Funky winker beans. Okay. What's going on, funky winker beans? You know, like, <laughs> I want to kick my own ass. So, but anyway, even still, you know, we had that place and there was always a show. Every weekend there was a show. Every weekend. Yeah. Um, there's not, you know, and, and down here in Seattle, there's shows, but it's not like there's a, a, a metal gig every weekend at the Highline. Definitely or, not, yeah. You know, there, there, there's, so you, you can't just kind of stumble on to um, your regular metal club or whatever to see bands every weekend. So, I mean, I think in, in a sense, like that sense of a scene of a collective of bands that, you know, are, 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 all play shows together and book shows together and whatever is kind of fading away. Um, whether that's a good or bad thing, I'm not an expert. I don't, I don't have the energy to go out to gigs every Friday and Saturday night anymore in my forties. <laughs> you know, right. the old man card and, you know, I mean, <laughs> and I'm also, I was single back then. I'm married now. And, you know, I, I have other things I have to take care of. I've, you know, we own a house and have pets and, you know, have other things that I need to take care of as well. So, um, but you know, for, I guess for younger metalheads, I mean, I, it, it was, for me, it was fun to be, um, involved in a scene. It was fun to know a bunch of people. It was fun to support my friends and, you know, whether I liked their bands or not was irrelevant. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, for a while I just would go to whatever. And then it kind of got to that to like, you know, with every scene comes there's upsides and downsides it's fucking drama um you know so and so did this to so and so so and so said this to so and so i was never affected by it i always steered clear of that shit um but i did wind up like kind of as i got older stepping away a little bit just being like okay i'm just gonna go to the shows i want and then that came to not go into my many at all, I guess. I, 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 there's a definitive point in my life where I didn't want to be in a local band anymore. Yeah. You know, I, when we started Greyhawk, it was very, you know, the aim was crystal clear that we were going to be not playing in Seattle every month. We're going to be on the road, even if we're playing Port Angeles, even if we're playing Zilla or Kelso or Richland or whatever. If we're playing somewhere... We're going to play, we're going to play somewhere to people who'd never heard us before. And I think that's been incredibly valuable and it's been much more rewarding for me, even though sometimes we play in these podunk little towns and there's no one there. Um, It's still to me more rewarding and more fun than playing to the same faces week in and week out. Yeah. Cause you can get into a rut and kind of lose perspective on what your goals are and what you need to do to actually be at the level you want to be at. Certainly, you know, it's, I guess like it's, it's definitely, it's a, it's a big advantage to be able to just distribute stuff worldwide on our own. And that's something that 
you know, so in a way, like as a band from Seattle, we can ship our music off to Brazil and to Germany and, and various parts of America. And in a way it's like, well, I'm kind of glad they're not listening to their local music instead of us. They're able to find us now. <laughs> yeah, that's know? true. That's true. That's true. And, and I, 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 maybe, maybe the word local band kind of going away is not a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, apart from like, you know, there's the local bands of like, you know, uh, your friendly neighborhood metal dads who want to like get together on the weekends and, and drink some beer and rock the local pub stage. And I, and I love that shit, you know? Yeah. I absolutely love going and seeing like a bunch of fucking dads do Metallica covers. It's fucking fun. Yeah. You know? It really is. Sometimes it gets bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, you ever been to a show at like, you know, on a weekend at like a small bar in Fife? It's a rough go. Yeah. No. It's not, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been, I, I've experienced a couple like, you know, I'm not talking shit, you know, but, you know, we, we've, we've seen, we've traveled and, you know, we've played a lot of smaller towns and we've seen some stuff. Yeah. You know, we have. Yeah, I mean, whether, <laughs> regardless of how you call, like, what you call your local bands, I guess, like, there's still a division in, in the level of quality, but I do like that the fact that now everyone has the potential to be an international band. That is true. If they want, I, what that means is that it it means that the division between bands is less like what your market is and more if you play originals or not. So I think it's, it's, it's there's more opportunities now. Like there, there definitely 100% is more opportunities now than there were in 2007. I can tell you that. Because yeah. it was, this shit was dire in the late 2000s. No one knew how to, no one knew how to do this shit. Because um, you're still kind of in the old school CD era major labels but you're kind of not like yeah some of the old timers are kind of hanging on you know labels are becoming not a thing you know physical media is on its way out now it's coming back you know now there's labels now there's opportunities and now bands are learning finally learning how to harness the internet and use it to promote their stuff rather than give it away um mm -hmm. sell their stuff rather than give it away because you know as much as this isn't about money dude like we need money to tour. Yeah. We need money to make records, you know, and not everybody is going to dump that out of their pocket. I mean, you, 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 you dump some out of your pocket, but it's nice to have, to see some fiscal rewards for your work, to see, to invest in printing t-shirts, to invest in printing albums and see some shit come back. Um, it, yeah. It's nice to get a return on your investment because then, and what we don't want to have happen is have, heavy metal become a rich person's game where only no. the people who can afford to promote themselves get hurt. Like we definitely don't want that. No, I mean, there's enough things that are already like that that we don't need, we don't need to give them that too. Um, I gotta say though, I love, I love, I do, whether they're good or not, a lot, I love playing with like small town locals. I think it's always entertaining. I have seen some of the most funny shit. Yeah. And there's always like, like that Port Townsend, no, Port Angeles band, those those dudes, that you, your buddy Craig's band, yeah. that did like that look out for the gout song. Like those guys were so entertaining. And they like got, and they butchered that Kiss song and it was so good. Like it was <laughs> like they, they just slaughtered it. It was so fucking awesome. And then the band after that, that grindcore band that did nothing but songs about pro wrestling managers. That was awesome. <laughs> and that's, that shit's super entertaining to me. And, you know, there's been a lot of bands that, you know, are 
it's kind of a train wreck, but it's it's super fun, you know. Like that one in uh, you know, the the worst gig we ever did was that one in Vancouver, Washington, I think, with the yeah. drummer bubble. But goddamn, that band that was on before us was something else. Like that with that like Uncle Fester looking dude like jumping around <laughs> tables and shit. Yeah. Like, see, these are the kind of things that you you're not gonna see unless you go to these tiny little venues and it's endlessly entertaining and i really hope that never goes away yeah well something i think you and i have in common that we've we've seen when we're reviewing these albums in the podcast is we really we we care about attitude and we care about authenticity more than we care about status you know certainly <laughs> you know yeah yeah I, I don't i don't care about my heavy metal crit you know i really don't I, i'm really to just if as long as i'm playing songs and stuff that are it in a band that reflects what I want to put out in the world. I'm a happy guy. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, and, and when you see someone else doing that, even if it's, you know, objectively not very good, um, it could be, it could be really charming and it could be really endearing and it could be, it could put a, you know, some of these goofy like locals could, but they could put a smile on your face. You know? Well, and it can be a reminder of why we play music, you know? Yeah. Because exactly. it's it's easy to get caught up in the anxieties and the comparisons and everything, and sometimes to see someone who's doing it just for the joy of it, without much, without much desire for any particular reward, is really like refreshing. I'm like, oh yeah, that's why we do it. And I think for that same reason, I'm I'm not too worried about that going away because I think people are always going to want to play music with each other, just because that's a great way totally. to connect with other human beings. And then once people start playing music with each other for a while, they're going to want to share it with the community as a whole. So I think that like local music is going to be happening pretty much no matter what happens. Like if there's a nuclear war and you know, most of us get vaporized, the people who are left will still find a way to play music together and for other people. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's like a universal like truth of human beings that will always create sounds and soundscapes in some shape or form. But yeah. You know, uh, I guess kind of like to sum it up a little bit, like, yeah, like the local, the, the idea of your local scene as, you know, a collective of bands that play shows every weekend, all know each other, all kind of hang out together. Um, that's just not, that's dying off a little bit. You know, it, it's not as prevalent of a thing as it is, but as it used to be, but the amount of bands who can get out, who get out and tour, the amount of bands I know who've gotten record deals with like really cool record labels and gotten to play festivals and stuff is way higher. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's a win. Um, it actually is kind of a cool thing. Um, and I, but I do think that, you know, I mean, we're, we're still gonna, you know, I'm not talking about this, like, we're just like, you know, only playing, we're, we're still love playing the High Line and wherever else in our hometown. The hometown gigs are fucking awesome. Yeah. So, you know, there, there'll always be those, there'll be always be those gigs and it'll always be there. It just, you know, the landscape is changing because technology is hundred percent changing all of our, our music and everything. And I think it's changing it. It's starting. I used to hate it and I used to really, it used to piss me off, but I think it, it, it really is starting to change things for the better. Yeah, I think so. Because I mean, we've talked about this before, but if only because it, it really reduces the influence of these top-down hierarchies. Like there's no, you know, we got to listen to that Blaze Bailey album that we both really liked. There was nobody like, no record executive telling him how that had to sound. Yeah. He wasn't having to write a single. 
like the reason we liked it is because it was exactly the the album he and his band wanted to make. Yep, absolutely. There's some, there's a, there's a lot of truth to that. So that's pretty cool. Oh, before we forget, before we get out of here, we'd be remiss if we didn't <laughs> talk about our old buddy, the Mr. QAnon, Colonel Sanders himself. Everything we said on the first episode of this show <laughs> is happening. The it's, prophecy. The prophecy is, <laughs> is fulfilling itself because that guy, he's the first one of all of those dorks to plead guilty. And now he's about to roll over on all his homies. He's about yeah. to like sell them all out and get put in witness protection program. He's going to have to get a new look because that's not a very anonymous look. Yeah. You know, I mean, the fact that everybody like, you know, was following the news that day in January and it was like, oh, hey, it's John Schaefer. Exactly. You know? he, he looks really distinct. He's going to have to shave that. He's going to have to abandon the Colonel Sanders look. He's going to have to like go for something that'll probably be objectively less goofy. Yeah. You know? so, yeah maybe, he can, maybe he can lose the Confederate flag bandanas from now on. Oh, God. That, that would be a win. Yeah. That picture of him in that bandana is atrocious. I was like, man. If I ever had someone take a picture like that where I looked like that, I'd pay them a lot of money to destroy every <laughs> every every pixel of data surrounding that picture. That's a hideous looking photo. Um, but yeah, so that that's a thing that happened. And you know, we we kind of the first episode of this show, we've kind of talked about what's going to happen and go back and listen to it because it's yeah. all happened. I thought I mean, it was funny that that D Snyder was jumping all over it, but it seemed like he was jumping all over it for, because of uh, John Schaefer, like singing like a canary, less about him getting in trouble in the first place. But I think it's a bit of, yeah, I think it was a bit of both, but you know, he's kind of just like, you know, if you're going to, like, D's whole point was like, dude, like if you're going to do some shit, own it. Yeah. You know, it, it was just like, you know, why are you like, you you said he's kind of like, you're, you said you were this big time patriot and, you know, you're standing up for what you believe, but the second you are face of consequences, this thing that you believe in, apparently he's a founding member of the Oath Keepers. That's crazy. He's That's a, one of the founding members. Here's the funniest thing that I fit, found out about that thing though. Those guys have like annual dues of like 1200 bucks. So it's basically like a fucking pyramid scheme. Like, you recruit your buddies and they pay twelve hundred bucks and then they pay twelve hundred bucks and you probably get kickbacks and bonuses for signing people up. It's a freaking Ponzi scheme, which is I mean, at least you get hats you can wear when you storm the Capitol. You, you get really cool hats so the <laughs> FBI can identify you real quick and figure out who the fuck you are. It's like here, so you know, they should be I should we should make a hat company that says your criminal organization here. Or yeah, your right. terrorist or your domestic terrorist yeah. organization here, you know, get picked up real quick by the FBI. But he was just <laughs> saying, like, dude, you're supposed to be some great patriot. Now you're just like rolling over. The first sign of trouble, you just roll over. And yeah. you're like, no, no, screw all these people that I believe in so much. Screw them. Save me. So I don't know if that makes him a disgrace. I think he did a lot of other things that made him a disgrace to the heavy metal community first. I think the snitching is like, pretty far down on the list like probably well, yeah i mean five i or six like i think the whole being a douchebag on the capitol hill was like number one <laughs> like the first thing he did well yeah i wonder if that if that because of course that's his snitching on his buddies doesn't really affect anybody in the heavy metal scene i wonder if it's if that's i just think a, it's funny i don't <laughs> I, mean, I just wonder if it, if it reflects any any 
if it reflects his values at all or what his priorities really are, if he's going to try to like make it up with the metal people by like saying, look, I'm not a part of that anymore. Look, I, I, I don't know. I, I think you look at it like this. I mean, he's, he's 55, 56, whatever, whatever he is. Yeah. Um, stare down the barrel of 30 years in prison. It's the yep. rest of your life. You'll never do anything. You'll never really breathe fresh air. You'll never experience freedoms. You'll never do any of the things in your day-to-day life. You'll never get to like even go to work and work an eight-hour day. You're yeah. nothing. That's it. He, and he, he, if they if they dig him for thirty years, he ain't they ain't letting him out. Like maybe like, but so I think when he got faced with that reality of the fact that his whole rest of his life is going to be in jail, then I made his decision pretty quick. And you know, the thing is with a lot of these dudes, like with the internet and with all these, these cosplay soldier guys, like they, these cosplay militia dudes, like, man, it's all fun and games until you're confronted with actual real life consequences to the shit yeah. you just did. And, and, and I think to them, like none of it really seems real till it gets real. And I think they, I literally think those people all thought they were going to go up there and they were going to do that. And either they weren't going to get punished because they're white. And generally speaking, the world doesn't punish white people or, Daddy Trump's gonna pardon him, and mm-hmm. none, neither one of those things happened. Yeah. Oops, you fucked up. So, hey man, like I said, no sympathy. Rat, rat all your buddies out. I don't care. You want sympathy? Open a dictionary. Look in the dictionary between shit and syphilis, because you're not gonna <laughs> find it for me. So anyway, that's a. I guess that's a note we can end on this week. I don't know if it's a good one, but it's a note we can end on. Well, I mean, it 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 does, you know, kind of hammer home some of the points we made in the very first episode. Yeah, continuity, man. That's what we're trying to do here. <laughs> a little yep. bit of continuity. So, all right. Well, I guess we're gonna call it a night. Um, it has uh, been a pleasure hosting the fiftieth episode of this thing. Man, it's going. We're doing a lot of them. Time's going by fast. It's Fifteen weeks. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of 15 records we've listened to. That's yeah, crazy. Man. That might be more records than I listened to all of 2020. So, yeah, that's a good that's a good thing. Mission yeah, I know. I always end up like cobbling together end of year lists, like the last two weeks of the year, like listening to all this stuff and realizing, oh, I missed all this shit. But now it's going to be easy. Dude, it's it's been great, and you know, I kind of feel like I I'm a 20 something year old metalhead again, like just actively seeking out these albums and trying to find yeah. the best ones to listen to. And a lot of people the feedback people who listen have given me is the same thing. Like, dude, like if you didn't, we're doing this podcast, I never would have heard Warrior Path or, you know, Witch Hazel or Iron Savior or whoever, or or the new Blaze Bailey album, or even the new Age of Steel or the Witch Seeker, something we didn't like that they disagreed with us and found that they liked. So, you know, it's, it's having the desired effect and I'm super proud of that and I'm having a good time. And this is episode 15 of Who Knows Him? Yeah, man, it's been one of the bright spots in 2021, which has been a kind of headache of a year so far. It's it's been it's been intense. I'd, I'd say in some ways it's been better than 2020. I mean, at least we're starting to see some possible lights at the end of the tunnel, whereas 2020 was just this drab. Like, God, how long is this going to go on for? Yeah. Um, so I, I think I think I'm generally speaking in a better mood. I've loved the weather we're having, and yeah, it's been incredible. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm I got a lot of optimism going going forward from here but anyway everybody out there thank you for tuning in again we'll be back next week probably uh, probably not a guest next week but we'll have another record we'll have some more picks of the week 
we'll have some more, you know, random babbling and that everyone seems to enjoy and I enjoy it. So take care of yourselves, get through your work week and we will see you next Sunday. All right. Rock on guys. Pull yourself up. Oh